So next, I'm off to meet three of the many charities that John Lyons supports to talk to them about their work. First, it's Camberwell to see the boss of Primary Shakespeare. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the artistic director of the Primary Shakespeare Company. And how long's Primary Shakespeare been running now? It'll be 10 years in the summer of 2019. And just tell us in a nutshell what you do at Primary Shakespeare. Um, we work with primary school aged children and teachers. And I think that's, it's really important we work with the two in tandem. And we're really seeking to promote learning through drama. So it often appears that we're a, a charity that's about performance because our sort of shop window are the festivals that we create where children each year uh, learn how to perform a Shakespeare play. But actually it's the learning that takes place in the lead-up to that festival where class teachers are working using our drama sessions as stimulus for classroom activities. That's where for us the sort of the perhaps the most exciting and most important work takes place because that's where children's life chances, their, uh, their achievement, their attainment is raised. And give us some examples of the sort of things that you've been able to achieve with children. What are you, what are you aiming to sort of... I think one of the really early examples for me that helped inspire this work and um, made me want to share it together with Neil, who runs the charity with me. Um, all the work springs from uh, Holy Trinity in St Silas, the school where I started training as a teacher, and I was lucky enough to work with a very visionary head there who herself was a drama graduate, and she... It's really from Annie, the head there, that I sort of garnered uh, this, this vision. And, and she believed in teaching as much as possible through the arts and through drama in particular. And um, one of the early examples of this that we saw, we, um, a boy called Jason, so Jason Sakuaku, whose family came from West Africa and he arrived in this country with very little English and when I first encountered him in year three was still struggling to um, to put you know English together in both uh, sort of in both in the playground and in the classroom but by the time he'd reached year six and we'd been putting this program into place in our school for several years he was playing Macbeth. Wow. <laughs> yeah with great fluency and great power and I bumped into Jason the other day and it is it's 10 years later so Jason is just graduating from university how amazing and tell me how that tell me about the extent of the financial support you get from John Lyons then and how important it is I to you I cannot overstate the importance of John Lyons it's not just the finance although of course <laughs> without the finance <laughs> that always helps it really does help. yeah yeah I mean that's but it's not just that because uh, it's it's the belief that they have shown in us from they were there right at the beginning they provided the seed money for the first festival that we did where jason performed which was just a handful of schools in camden um and it was really them who they came back and they said we really see something in this and we want you to apply to us and for more money, and uh, but we want you to work with schools that we um, support in other boroughs. So 
I came up with a plan. And um, this then sort of started to grow slowly but organically. Um, John Lyons have always been there for us. But as I've said, it hasn't just been the financial support. It's been that kind of perception. And when they felt that we needed guidance, they found an uh, an arts advisor who they who came in and looked at what we were doing, helped us put together a strategy. Um, she's now on our board of trustees. Um, they hired her for six days. I, I couldn't believe how long those six days lasted because they seemed to stretch over an, in, an entire year. And I was saying, Fiona, surely your, your six days are up now. And she said, oh, I'll just do a little bit more. It, it, it's, it's, it's that kind of... Um, relationship. They think so much about what we do. They, uh, they've provided us actually with several of our best ideas. Next, I'm off to the Accident and Emergency Department of St Mary's Hospital in Paddington to meet members of the charity Red Thread. Red Thread has become well known for working in the area of youth violence and its intervention programme runs in hospital emergency departments in partnership with the major trauma network. Its innovative service aims to reduce serious youth violence and has revolutionised the support available to young victims of violence. Every year thousands of young people aged between 11 and 24 come through hospital doors as victims of assault and exploitation and it's then at this time of crisis that Red Thread's youth workers utilise their unique position embedded in the emergency departments alongside clinical staff to engage these young victims. I spoke to Jackie Highfield, their Director of Programmes, and Julia Mayer, the team leader at St Mary's. Tell us about your philosophy, which you've become well known for, reachable and teachable. What does that What does that mean? There's a number of roles for Red Thread within, within the hospital environment when we're reaching these young people, and we call it reaching. There's a term that's often widely used about young people, which is hard to reach. We don't actually use that term. We actually feel that young people aren't hard to reach, but services aren't actually reaching the young people because they're not actually where the young people are. Well, we, we've found a space which actually is a, is a health and a safe space where young people come in, they don't want to come here, but actually it's a really good opportunity for us to meet that young person in a, in a time when they're feeling really, really vulnerable and help them to start processing, actually, what has happened to me today? How did I find myself in this position? Young people are often exploited, but in a number of ways. It's not just child sexual exploitation. It's not just kids who are gun running or carrying drugs. Young people are being exploited in multiple ways. Um, and actually, it's not that easy to spot some of those vulnerabilities. So the team at Red Thread try and help clinicians within all the hospitals in which we work to, to really understand better about some of the challenges that our young people are facing and why they might act in certain ways. So talking about that complexity, about that teachable moment, um, it's also at a time where a young person may or may not be making a decision of what they are going to do next. What am I going to do when I walk out of that hospital? Am I going to go and revenge what's just happened to me? You know, am I going to go and place myself back at risk by going back into that risky situation? So by using that, that moment where they're, where they're vulnerable and they're open, actually, just to engaging with a young person who, who's friendly, approachable, calm, um, just there for them, no agenda, 
as Julia said, you know, there's no, the, you don't have to work with us, you don't have to talk to us. It's a very powerful moment. Take us through an average day here. What sort of things are you seeing on a regular basis? Yeah, so first thing is to sort of check who's in hospital. So we, um, there's a trauma book downstairs, with, so all the traumas that have come in um, during the evening. Um, and we'd see who's been in, who's still in the hospital. Um, and then um, we would try and meet them. If, so if they're in, we would go up to the wards. Um, we would um, see how things are and, and a youth worker might go and visit them. We um, would also... Um, visit anyone who's kind of in at that time. Um, and then w with those people who were in, we would start a, a, a youth work intervention. So we would we would safety plan with them. That would be kind of like the first thing you would do with a new young person. So working out, are they just those key questions? Are you safe in the hospital? Do you need us to put a password system in place? Um, so if they've come in through being stabbed or a gunshot wound or something like that, or, or domestic violence, is there, we have to kind of really make sure that we're really we understand that level of safety, that immediate risk, um, and that also is risk to people who might be living with them at home. So we'll try and find out if they've got younger siblings in the house. Um, we'll try and find out if there's risk to anyone that lives with them. So those things kind of have to be done really sensitively, but kind of really quickly. The other side of the work, if, if somebody comes in, if we have a, a trauma call, if there's a call to recess, um, either the staff downstairs in the recess department will call us um, and we'll come down to see them um, as they're being brought into the hospital. So last week, for instance, there was a stabbing that was due to be brought in. Downstairs um, called me, I came downstairs, and then as he's kind of being brought into the recess department, we're there um, to say hi and to say that we're youth workers and we're here and we can answer any questions, we can help. Does he need anyone to call his mum? And he did need someone to call his mum, so, you know, I got his number, made sure that his mum knew that he was there and made sure that she knew exactly where to come and met her and um, was able to sort of explain what had happened, that he was fine and he was safe and he was speaking. Um, and w w were you able to engage with him then? Yeah, uh, yeah. Dur during the course of this and afterwards? The majority of young people that come in here, sort of the vast majority, I think only one person didn't want to engage with us um, when they've met us in the hospital. So I think that when you explain who you are, you explain that you're there to help young people. Young people are very happy to, to engage because I think that the way we approach it is that we're interested in them. They don't need to tell us anything. And I think that generally people really want to engage and, and get support. So yeah, so for instance, that young person, um, yeah, he absolutely engaged and um, we've got his number, we're sort of supporting him around um, in terms of you know him making a statement to the police, um, him and you know how I suppose I sort of I said to him you know how are we going to make sure we don't see you here again? Finally, I'm off to the Sky Campus in Osterley to meet Bob Clark, the CEO of Mama Youth Project, a charity which gets younger people from traditionally underrepresented backgrounds into the broadcast and media industries. Tell us about the history of Mama Youth, Bob, because it goes back the full 13 years now, and John Lyons have been involved with it since the beginning, haven't they? That's right, yeah. Uh, John Lyons was the, the first um, charity where we were looking for financial support uh, to actually support us. Um, at the time, I was funding um, 
the charity, Mama Youth Project, for myself. I was working nights and being at the charity during the day. And uh, so, but I needed somebody in the office. And, uh, and so uh, John Lyons funded for me to have a person in the office who could be there during the day um, as, as well. So um, that was great. And what gave you the idea for Mama Youth in the first place? What need did you see it fulfilling? Um, well, in 2005, and having been um, in television broadcasting for 20 years, somebody said to me one day, there's not enough black people working in the industry. Uh, somebody said that to me 20 years earlier on the day I started. So I went home quite down and upset, um, thinking in 20 years, nothing has changed. And so that's what got me, uh, that was my motivation to start Mummy Youth Project and to help young people like myself. Um, I dropped out of school early, uh, joined the army uh, to stop something happening to me on the street. Or, and, um, and I've had such a successful career in television, so I know what people like me can bring into the workplace. Um, but when I started it, even though it was said about black people, um, I immediately included white working class because they are also underrepresented in TV. And so uh, in 2005, it was strange to see a black man on the stage speaking, saying we support black ethnic minorities and white working class who I think have been forgotten about in this society. You're, you're really well established now and pretty well known. Um, does that mean you get hundreds and hundreds of young people who are applying every year to Mama Youth to go through the training? Yes, on our main training, we do um, 24 young people on each one and we do it twice a year. So a minimum of 48 young people go for a year. Well, for each um, uh, course production that we do for 24 young people, we get on average 350 people apply. And um, what we do, we will interview 90 uh, young people for to get that 24. There's a first stage interview, then there's a second stage group interview. And um, we've had... BBC and two other independent production companies come to try and find out why we're so successful in recruiting. Um, and uh, we can't even answer that. But you must have an idea why. The only, well, the, the thing is, we realise that it's the time and effort that we put in. We, we put in the time and effort that a company with all the goodwill in the world just can't put into somebody. Um, we do a competency-based interview, then we throw that to one corner, and then we talk to them. And uh, uh, an example I would give is the young uh, lad that, that came in for an interview, his first stage interview. His mobile rang during the interview. He answered it, got up, walked out the room for privacy, and came back in when he finished his call. Now, who's going to employ somebody who does that? We took him on. Uh, this is three years ago. He is still working in television today. And what's your success rate getting them into work at the end? 98% get an immediate short-term uh, pay contract, and that's because our relationships with our partners, such as BBC, um, uh, Procam, Sky, and uh, Endemol Shine, and, uh, and there's many other companies as well. But after 12 months... 82% are still working in television, which is mind-blowing. 
And tell us the extent of the support that John Lyons gives you then monetarily. How does that work? You know, the great thing about John Lyons is that they take such an interest in a charity that's applied for funding from them, they actually come out to see you. They they come out to see what you're doing and, and to see what you're about. And um, if they hadn't come out, we wouldn't have got funding. Uh, we don't get funding really from a third sector at all. And uh, John Lyons take the time to come out to see because they understand that oh, maybe in your application it hasn't been written the best, you know, but they've, they've seen there's something very similar to we spot, we spot something in a young person at the interview stage that maybe others haven't spotted. We've, we've, we've seen potential. And that's what John Lyons did with us. So there are three hugely varied examples of the work that John Lyons Charity supports. I'm Matthew Gwyther, and thank you for listening. <laughs>